This message was presented at the GYC 2014 conference at the Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Welcome to Numero Dos, session number two. The title of this one is Literature in the Last Days. This is the fourth angel, the fourth angel reaching secular, postmodern, and other minds through literature. To start off uh, this session, we have a personal testimony from Helen Yu. Helen has a fascinating testimony. She's going to share for a few minutes. Listen closely. Okay, there's some key parts to this testimony that, that you want to make sure you get, Okay. So listen closely to what Helen is going to say. Let's begin. I'll wait till you all sit down. Let's begin. It's nice to see you. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we ask your blessing on our next session. We ask that your spirit and your angels will be here. We ask that you will baptize us with your spirit. And we ask that we will all leave more deeply dedicated to sharing the truth, the being, what you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Good morning. morning. Um, So God has really blessed me so much in my life, but I'll try to condense it down into uh, 10 minutes. Um, So to start, I was born in South Korea to a Buddhist father and a traditionally Catholic mother, so religious differences there. And then when I was five years old, my little brother was born with Down syndrome. And so his heart was failing, and he really needed life-saving surgery. But in Korea at that time, especially, um, it was seen as a disgrace to have a disabled person in our family. So um, my dad's family refused to give my brother the surgery. But um, my mom was determined to save her son. So this disagreement kind of prompted the divorce between my father and my mother. But um, praise God, my brother's uh, surgery was successful, and he continues living as a witty, um, strong teenager today. So um, anyway, so my brother, um, my mom, and I were just kind of left alone when some American Mormon missionaries um, who were doing their missions in Korea reached out to us, and they invited us to their church. And my mom was eventually baptized into a Mormon ward. And these missionaries convinced us to move to the United States where my brother and I could have more opportunities and um, lead a better life. And so my mom applied to Brigham Young University in Utah and got accepted to the nursing program there. And so um, a few days before um, we were about to depart to uh, the United States, I got sick with pneumonia and was hospitalized. So I ruined all of our plans. But... God obviously had better plans, so praise God for that. And so a year later, my mom was chosen as one of the 20 teachers out of the province chosen to visit America for free. And they were stationed out of Chico, California. And um, the program organizers were Baptists, so um, they attended the Baptist church every Sunday. And my mom was so impressed with Chico that she decided to um, immigrate there with our family when she came back. So my mom quit her job of 20 years as a well-respected school teacher, um, left her friends, family, everything that she had to America so that my brother and I could have a chance at life. So 
we moved to Chico um, as planned, and we became Baptists. We were attending the church there. And then we found out that a Korean Presbyterian church was meeting in the same facilities, so we began to attend the Presbyterian church with the Koreans in the afternoons and eventually became Presbyterians. And so from Buddhists and Catholics to Baptists to Presbyterians, where does Seventh-day Adventism come in? Um, we had been familiar with Adventists because two of my cousins who were staying with us um, were attending the Adventist Academy down the street because it was the closest public or private school. And then my mom's friend from the Presbyterian Church um, told her about the SDA Church in Paradise and invited my mom to join her. And what, my mom was so impressed when she attended the SDA Church in Paradise that we would drive 30 minutes just to go to church on Sabbaths. And she began receiving personal Bible studies from the Korean pastor there. And she was first introduced to Ellen White's writings. And um, though we didn't have much money, she purchased the whole Conflict of the Ages series in Korean and read through them all. And it was through reading The Desire of Ages that she truly felt God's love and understood the weight of Jesus' sacrifice. And when she read The Great Controversy, it was the first time her eyes were really open. And that the first time in her life that she realized that God wasn't just a fabrication of the human mind, um, but our Heavenly Father who's all-powerful and all-knowing and who's actively working um, for our redemption. And so my mom had always been involved with church and had um, thought church was a nice organization to get people to do nice things, you know. Um, but this was the first time that God became real. Meanwhile, my mom decided to enroll me in Paradise Adventist Academy for seventh grade um, to keep me out of trouble. And um, I wasn't familiar with the Bible at all, so in Bible class we would learn about Jonah and Noah, and I had no idea while everyone knew all these stories from a long time ago. And um, I was skeptical as to why I would trust in something that I didn't even know was real, that I couldn't know was real. Then I realized it would be pointless that a God did exist anyway. It, would it wouldn't mean anything to me if he didn't care about me in the first place. So after years of wrestling with these questions, I just decided to see um, how God would show me his love, um, given that I treated my experience um, in life with the assumption that, okay, God does love me. Let's see how he shows that. And so um, God led me to my first um, medical mission trip to Honduras my junior year, provided all the finances. I wasn't even planning on going, but it worked out. Things usually work out that way for me and God. And um, he helped me in continuing my involvement with a Korean-American Youth Adventist Missionary Movement as well. And in a way difficult to explain in just a few sentences, um, God worked in a way in my life where I saw his love so clearly, where I felt his love through service, and I wanted to dedicate my life completely to him because nothing had made me feel so much joy. And at that point, I, people asked me how or how I had a relationship with God, and I couldn't explain. But one thing I was so sure of was that God loved me, and nothing could shake me of that. And that was really powerful to me. And on October 29, 2011, um, my mom and I made the decision to get baptized together at the Paradise Adventist Church. 
And so God led me to Andrews University after that for my freshman year and provided all the finances so I could pursue um, my studies to become a medical missionary. And not only would I be trained academically, but God would connect me with the right people to give me um, invaluable missionary training through the Youth Rush Summer Canvassing Program. So to be honest, I was extremely skeptical going into the summer. Um, when I had first heard about canvassing from an old friend, I thought that would be the last thing I would ever do. So, um, you know, you sleep in gyms and churches with strangers. You only get two meals a day. You go to the bathroom in strangers' homes, you know. Um, and you're um, like a solicitor. And uh, I don't know anyone who loves solicitors. So um, I thought, no way. Then I was canvassed by a canvasser named Sheila Nadaraja, and she followed me to my room to make sure I signed up for the program. And um, yeah, the chances that I would actually be able to canvass are slim, so I prayed and said, God, if this works out, I'll know it's your will. And sure enough, it was, and I was scheduled to canvass for the first half of my summer. And so the beginning was rough. I was afraid of the world, and I literally thought everyone was out to get me. And my friends that canvassed with me can attest to this. Um, and so I just judged people by their outward appearance and assumed, okay, there's no way this person has any interest in God at all. But it was often those people that I predisposed as um, spiritually disinterested that were most interested. And um, it was just such a beautiful experience to be able to pray with those people, to personally connect with them, and to give them books, to give them hope that would help them continue in their journey. And I never thought I'd say this, but uh, I loved canvassing so much that I decided to stay for the whole summer and then come back for another summer, and hopefully that wasn't my last summer. So um, I thought about why I loved canvassing too, because um, when I think back to what I did in the summer, uh, I, I don't, sometimes I don't know how I love it so much. But you know, I had tough days and I faced rejections as all canvassers do, but they were far outweighed by the many divine appointments that where I truly saw God working, like literally miracles in front of my eyes. Amen. And it was hard work, harder than anything, literally anything I've ever done. But nothing else has been so rewarding for me. And canvassing was the first time in my life where I experienced God so profoundly, more profoundly than I could have ever imagined. And the thing I wanted most was just to get to know him better. And canvassing gave me a hunger for the Bible to study the word and to really seek um, what God is trying to tell me through the Bible and also how valuable and um, life-changing Ellen White's works were as well. And um, it was through this work that heaven became a reality. Before it was like, oh, a nice place that everyone talks about going in the future. But this was the first time where I pleaded for souls, pleaded with God for the salvation of my family, my friends, and those that I met at the doors, where I saw the power of intercessory prayer. And it was, this was when I, my life on earth was put into perspective, that we're just passing through here, and that we're on our way to something greater. And most importantly, I saw how God could be integrated into my daily life, and my, in my daily, everyday interactions with others. So I realized what it meant to actually see everyone that I met, everyone I see at the grocery store, um, you know, anyone as a child of God. And I was finally able to 
truly love and care about others, like random strangers. And I guess canvassing, in a sense, forced me to learn patience and to be compassionate because you can't do this work without that. And it really showed me that God can make us more like Jesus if we allow him to work in our lives. So I know that canvassing is not the only way to work for God. There are many ways that we can serve him, but canvassing provides invaluable preparation for any work, any service for the future, for God. And this work has taught me so much in just two summers that I will literally carry on for the rest of my life and everything that I do for God. And yeah, so I'm not the type to get passionate about things really easily. I don't have many passions, but yeah. <laughs> Literature evangelism has truly changed my life in so many ways and the lives of others as well that I, God gave me the opportunity to reach. And the best part is that we'll see the results in heaven. And I'm excited for where God leads all of us, and I hope and pray that um, everyone here um, who hasn't canvassed yet or who is canvassing still that um, will pray for this ministry, pray about participating in it, pray for its advancement, because as Ellen White says, um, this is a work second to none, and I hope everyone can experience that. Pardon us while we change mics here. Helen, thank you very much. <clears throat> you can tell she's a from the gut kind of person. Tells it like it is. Thank you very much. Literature Evangelism Made Relevant in a Postmodern Secular World. Session number two, Literature's Role in the Last Days. Literature's Role in the Last Days. I was putting gas in my car. <clears throat> and I saw a lady, a well-dressed woman, drive in in a nice SUV on the pump opposite me, and just on the other side. And... Uh, she got out and started pumping gas, and I sensed the Holy Spirit saying, give the woman a glow tract. And I thought, no, you know, she's busy, she's in a hurry, you know, you know how it goes, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. And finally I said, this is ridiculous, I'm going to give the woman a tract. Okay. So I get, got a tract, it was a Sabbath tract, walked around the corner, and I just said very politely, I just said, here's something for you to read. That's my canvas for glow tracts, by the way. If you ever wonder what to say, here's something to read. That's it. Or sometimes you can make a joke and say, here's something to read when, the, when, it, when life is boring or when you're bored, when you have nothing to do. Here's something for you to read. So I gave her the tract, and I immediately turned around. I gave her the tract, and I turned around. And I smiled or whatever, and she says, wait! She says, what denomination are you? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I said, well, I'm Seventh-day Adventist Christian. She says, oh, Seventh-day Adventist. She says, isn't there a church right around here? I said, yeah, the headquarters is right down the road and the church is right up here and take a right and it's right there on the left. And she says, I used to go to the Adventist church when I was a kid and they used to send me little pamphlets, pieces of literature in the mail. And you could see her going back and she's thinking about it. 
And I said, you know, we have an evangelistic series that's coming. And I gave her a flyer, I think it was, and she showed up at a couple of evangelistic series. But she's a very busy woman. Works and works and works all the time. <clears throat> so she stopped attending. So I tried to find her address. And I couldn't find her address. Nobody had her address. I got online. I searched for her. And it said, we have her address, but you have to pay $2.99 or whatever. So I did. I paid my $2.99. And I got her address because I think it was unlisted. So I got a buddy. And we showed up at her house and knocked on her door. And she opened up. And she was shocked to see me. And she didn't say much, and we invited her to the next series. It had been a few months. That church was doing a, a bunch of different series. So we gave her more, another uh, flyer, and she came to that one. And after a, some time went by, she was baptized. Amen. And there she is. Praise God. Praise his name. Folks, don't forget, <clears throat> what I did took no skill. <laughs> don't forget that. You take a tract, and you put it between your finger and your thumb, and you extend your elbow. <laughs> Folks, God has chosen, in the last days, God has chosen to use literature and personal contact combined. Ellen White calls it evangelistic canvassing combined with personal labor for the people. Those two things combined have a powerful effect. A smiling face with a powerful piece of literature is a multiplied effect. A multiplied effect. There's been a resurgence in literature distribution in the SDA church, and it has only been very, a very recent development. Why the resurgence? Why literature? And what role will publishing and literature play in the future? <clears throat> it will play a large role in the future. Why is that? <coughs> Why literature in the last days? Number one, it's prophetic. It's prophetic. Follow with me. This is Last Day Events 2.14. In a large degree through our publishing houses to be accomplished the work of that other angel. That's Revelation 18, right? That's the fourth angel. The fourth angel, the title of this seminar, okay? That other angel who comes down from heaven with great power and who lightens the earth with his glory. In a large degree through our publishing houses. Folks, this is, this is the prophet. This is the prophet saying this. It's not me. I'm not paid to say this, okay? This is the prophet. Revelation 18.1. In a large degree through our publishing houses. Check this out. L, uh, same thing. Last day events 2.13. More than 1,000 will soon be converted in one day. Most of whom? Most? How much is most? 51% or more. Okay. Most of whom will trace their first convictions to the reading of our publications. I want you to notice this quote. <clears throat> In the last days, there probably will be lots of literature going out. But that's not what this quote says, is it? Will these people, the thousand who will be converted in a day, are they converted by literature? Wait a minute. Look at it again. Are they converted by literature? No! Not necessarily. A thousand will be soon converted in a day. Those people who are converted at the end of time, they will trace their first convictions Back to the reading of our publications sometime back then, maybe yesterday or 10 years ago or something. Oh, yeah. All that stuff that's happening in the world today, there was some kid who gave me a dot, 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 dot. You follow me? Because when the, when the, when the things happen at the end of time, it's too late for this quote to be fulfilled, isn't it? So these people who are going to be baptized, thousands and converted in a day, most of whom will trace their first convictions to the reading of our publications. They trace their first convictions. Oh, yes, I remember. 
Okay? That argues in favor of distribution of literature now, not waiting till Sunday laws and all that stuff. Right? The results of the circulation of this book, the GC, great controversy, are not to be judged by what now appears. By reading it, some souls will be aroused and will have courage to unite themselves at once with those who keep the commandments of God. So in other words, sometimes people read a GC, they say, wow, and they get baptized. And we have lots of stories about that. And I can tell you some, and I probably will tell you some. Okay, so it happens. For example, have you seen this guy before? Who's he? John Bradshaw. I don't know if he's here. I saw his daughter last night. Is he here? I saw his daughter last night. She came and said hello to my children, and I said to my wife, who is that girl? And she says, that's Bradshaw's daughter. She's, like, huge now. She was, like, this tall when my kids played with her. Tiny little girl. Well, this tall. You guys know his story? John Bradshaw, he was a disc jockey in New Zealand. That's what he did for a living. He interviewed people on the radio. He's got a radio voice. And as he, as he was a disc jockey, his brother somehow got a hold of a copy of the GC. And his brother sent him, personally sent him, a great controversy. He read that great controversy, and he was deeply converted. By the way, he wrote the foreword for a new book called, uh, what's it called, Mike? Thank you, The Open Door. He wrote the foreword for a new book called The Open Door. It's just a, a whole fat book of nothing but amazing literature testimonies. There's like 50 testimonies in there, like one page each. And Bradshaw just wrote the foreword, and he talks about his conversion. It's, just, it's powerful to think that somebody who's reaching thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people was converted by a great controversy. Have, have you seen this guy before? How was he converted? Punk rocker, he goes to a health food store, and the lady who's running the health food store is an Adventist. She makes friends with him, gives him a GC, and, in, and writes her name inside to David. Signed, so-and-so. Gives him a GC. He reads the GC, totally changes his life. He's now reaching thousands and thousands of people. So, what did I just say? I said, the result says, by reading it, some souls will be aroused and will have courage to unite themselves at once. Right? Like these guys. Okay? But a much larger number who read it will not take their position until they see the very events taking place that are foretold in it. A much larger number. Wouldn't that be exciting if we had like 300 John Bradshaws and 300 David Ashricks? That's, that's, folks... People, God is going to call talented people to proclaim the message. And there may be somebody in this room that God is calling to write or to preach or teach or whatever. A much larger number who read it will not take their position until they see the very events taking place that are foretold in it. The fulfillment of some of the predictions will inspire faith that others also will come to pass. And when the earth is lightened with the glory of the Lord and the closing work, when? When the earth is lightened with the glory of the Lord. In other words, when it's all wrapping up. Right? You guys know, in fact, those of you who have uh, internet, there's a handout that goes with this seminar presentation. It's online at gycweb.org. You go to seminars, and in this seminar, there's, there's one handout that goes with this seminar. It's called The In of the In and Out. And the basic idea of the handout is this. Ellen White says that in the shaking, a huge amounts of people are going to go out of the church. They're going to leave the church. So all these people, you're just going to leave the church. Persecution, persecution comes, boom. Huge amounts go out. 
at the same time, she says. Their places are filled by huge amounts of people coming in. That's what she says. She says their places are immediately fulfilled by those coming in. And she says that this will, these conversions will happen with a rapidity that will surprise the church. And that's the thousand converted in a day, tracing the first, pub, first convictions back to the publications, to our publications. So all these people coming in. So when the earth is lightened with the glory of the Lord and the closing work, and all those people are coming into the church, wow, that's going to be exciting, isn't it? You going to be a part of that? Then many souls will take their position on the commandments of God as a result of this agency. This agency, that's the great controversy. Has this happened yet? No. Many souls will take their position on the commandments of God as a result of this agency. That is exciting. That is exciting. Miracles will be wrought. This is now from the book Great Controversy itself. She's talking about the closing moments, talking about the last, last bit of the, of the work. Miracles will be wrought. Sick will be healed. Signs and wonders follow the believers. The message will be carried not so much by argument as by the deep conviction of the Spirit of God. The seed has been sown, now it springs up and bears fruit. The publications distributed by missionary workers have exerted their influence. Yet many whose minds were impressed have been prevented from fully comprehending the truth. But now the rays of light penetrate everywhere. A large number take their stand upon the Lord's side. GC 612. That is exciting. When all those people come in, I want to be in the road watching them come in. I want to get run over by all those people. I want to be with them. I want to hang out with them. I want to be part of that. That's exciting. It'll be, so, it'll be a sad thing for all those people leaving the church. But it'll be exciting to see all the people coming in. Hey, can somebody jump up and uh, run around out there by the front door? Maybe Thomas or somebody. Oh, yep, that's all you need to do. Thank you. These lights have a, have a way of turning off by themselves. They have a mind of their own. They need, they need motion sensors. Um, they need motion so, number one, why is literature going to figure prominently in the last days? Number one, it's prophetic. It's prophetic. It's going to happen. So, number two, <clears throat> reason why literature in the last days. Number two, simple outreach, simple literature distribution makes God's people spiritually alive. What did it do for Helen? Did it make her spiritually alive? Did it help her spiritually? Major, huge. Have you guys had this experience? You're afraid to go on outreach. You have this, the feeling in your stomach, but you go out, and when you come back, are you happy? Of course you're happy. It happens every single time. Every single time before the first house, we get butterflies in our stomach, and we feel... And every, time, every single time we come back, we're happy. It happens every single time. It happens to young people. It happens to old people. It happens to church members. It happens to professionals. It happens to Mike Tuzo. It happens to me. It happens to all of us. It's the way it is. And that's the way it's going to be tomorrow, on outreach. Are you guys coming on outreach tomorrow? I'm going on outreach tomorrow. Okay. I hope to see you there. Simple outreach makes God's people spiritually alive. It is what we need. This is a picture of Jen. I like this picture. Jen, uh, the story of Jen goes like this. There were some church members who wanted to go out and take surveys door to door, like we're going to do tomorrow. And they were handing out literature. So they go out, and they're knocking doors. This is in Modesto, California. They're knocking on doors, and it begins to rain. And Modesto doesn't get that much rain. It's not as bad as Phoenix. But it starts raining. And it starts raining hard. And they're like, ah, well, we're about done. Why don't we just go? Because their time to, to do outreach is about done. They're like, no, let's do one more door. They knock on the last door. And Jen opens the door. And Jen is an, uh, an agnostic. She's an agnostic. Doesn't believe in God. 
Doesn't know if there's a God. Uncertain. Not sure what's what. And they, they give her a survey, and they invite her to the evangelistic series, give her literature. And she, they, they develop a friendship, Bible studies. She comes to the evangelistic series, is baptized, joins Youth Rush, and does two summers of Youth Rush reaching other people. Wow, that's amazing. So the fact that, by the way, she's still doing great. Here, but here she is, working for God, keeping herself strong, keeping herself spiritually alive. Folks, when churches go and just do something, some kind of outreach, when you as a person, an individual, do some kind of outreach, especially when it relates to literature, God somehow uses that in a really powerful way. Uh, I'm just remembering this uh, story. I'll just tell you a couple stories, okay? So there's a girl who's worked for me, and she had this birthday party in the park with her church. And so they go to the park, and she winds up going to the wrong side of the park, I think it was. The birthday party was at the other side. She's like, where's everybody? Well, I'll just glow these guys who are there. So she glows the people who are there, and one of the ladies that she glows signs up for Bible studies and is baptized. Just because she decided to get out glow when she was in the wrong place in the park. And this happens all the time. Um, how about uh, these three church members, or the, the ch- church that decided to go glow in the park? This is, again, another park story. Glow in the, you've heard of glow in the dark at Halloween. This is now glow in the park. So these, these guys, they're, they're uh, down in a church near Bakersfield. They go out on Sabbath afternoons at church. They're handing out glow all over the place and in this big park, and they run into three guys, and they glow these three guys. And in a short matter of a few weeks, the three guys are baptized. In a short matter of a few weeks. Amazing. Just because the church... Wanted to do something. Wanted to do some kind of outreach. Folks, maybe you've heard somebody like Mark Finley say this. Do something. Do some kind of outreach. Basic outreach. And that's the secret of literature outreach is that anybody can do it. It's a piece of cake. It really is. You say, oh, I could never be a literature evangelist. I can't go door-to-door and sell $500 sets of books. Well, that's fine. You can go door-to-door and sell cheap books. I don't want to sell anything. I'm scared. Well, go door-to-door and hand out literature for free. See, I don't want to go door-to-door at all. It's too stressful. That's fine. Hand it to someone at a gas station or in a park. You say, I'm scared to look anybody in the face. Then leave it on a table somewhere. (laughs) It's so easy. It's so easy. It makes God's people spiritually active. It's just what we need. It's just what we need. The great outpouring of the Spirit of God, which lightens the whole earth with His glory, will not come until we have an enlightened people who know by experience what it means to be laborers together with God. Ah, don't wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Don't wait. Don't wait. Jump in and do it uh, now, and that will help the Holy Spirit and his arrival. <clears throat> I, was at, uh, I was at a store some time ago. I was at a, a Big Lots, I think it was. Dollar store or Big Lots, it's right there. And I was buying some batteries, I think it was, because they had a sale. And I'm standing in line, and there's a long line behind me. You know how these cheap stores have long lines because they want to keep their cashiers busy all the time? The cashier's standing there. They're paying someone to not be productive. So what happens is they don't have a lot of cashiers, and the lines are long. But that's why their prices are cheap. So here I am trying to get this deal on batteries. And I'm, I'm standing in line, and I'm waiting there, and I come up to this lady... There's a long, long line behind me. So I'm like, okay, should I glow this lady? Ah, the line's long. She probably doesn't have time. But I'll do it quick. Okay, so I pull out my glow tract, keeping keep my back pocket. 
And I, I say, here's something for you to read. And she opens it up, and she looks, and she says, oh, this is what I need. She says, I know I need to get back to church. <laughs> and she's serious. She's like, and, she, and we start talking. She's like, this is a sign. I need to get back to church. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And I'm looking like the, the line is long back there, and we're talking, and I'm looking over there. But she, 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 she wanted it. She needed it. She says, where's your church? Folks, this is at Big Lots. Praise God. It makes God's people spiritually active. One of my young men, uh, this is one of my favorite stories. One of my young men was down at a church uh, doing a glow outreach, a literature outreach with the church on Sabbath afternoon. And he organized the group and they broke up into part partners, okay, twos. So they're going to go door to door and pass out literature or whatever. Okay, so... Uh, they organize it, and he organizes it, and he leads the charge, and they go out, and they're out there, and so he got himself partnered up with this guy, and he's like, okay, this is great, so, um, so what's your name? And, okay, uh, great, so great, how did you become an Adventist? And the guy's like, well, he says, you see these tracts? He says, this is why I became an Adventist, the tracts were passing out. And my young man is like, what? What are you talking about? And the guy's like, well, um, a bunch of Adventists were down at a gigantic fair, a large gathering. And they were passing out glow tracks like mad. And one of them got my wife. And my wife looked at these glow tracks and brought them home. And she's like, these are amazing. And she said, I got to go to church. So she went to church, he said. And then he, she shared all the glow tracks with him. He loved them. And then he said, she dragged me to church. And they were both baptized. And here my young man is walking along with this guy and hadn't even, didn't even know this. He's like, wow, we're doing the same thing now that while you're here. Wow, that's amazing. It's like the whole cycle, and now he's doing it. It's just what God's people need. Literature outreach makes God's people spiritually active. It gets us out of our comfort zone. Oh, and anybody can do it, folks. You know anybody can do it. One of my favorite stories is this lady who has a shriveled arm. She has one arm. But she loves handing glow tracks with that one arm. She says, this is something I can do. Anybody can do it. Oh, children are great, too. Wow. Children are great, great to use as, uh, as out, uh, literature outreach. Oh, they're so non-threatening. I have a little child like this. It's great. I got some pictures here of some kids. Look, guys, if this girl came to your door, can you see her face there? It's a little dark. If she came to your door, man, what would you say? Would you say, would you reject her? Okay, see the smile? Use children. Children, children have a way, especially, especially in America. Especially America is a child-centered culture. Disneyland, you know, glamour shots of an eight-year-old, all that stuff. People just are crazy about youth and children. And God has given children that energy and that freshness for a purpose. To be used in outreach. That's one reason. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And she is praying before she goes out. She's got her glow tracks in her hand. She's ready to go, man. Yeah. Outreach, spiritual outreach makes, people, makes God's people spiritually alive. This is a, the story about how on one day down in Brazil, anybody here from South America? And it's crazy, man. Down there, it's crazy. Check this out. Okay, this is Ted Wilson, our general conference president in the slums of Sao Paulo, the largest city in, in uh, South America. And they distributed in one day, 60,000 Seventh-day Adventists distributed 4 million copies of the Great Controversy in one day on Sabbath afternoon. Check it out. Whoa! 
I looked at this and I thought, man, we got to do this someplace in Chicago or something. You know, this is, it's, that's really good stuff. But that, that church, man, it's active. And the church down in South America is mostly young people. It's mostly young people. Half a million copies in Ecuador in one day. There's a picture of a glow rack that I liked very much. When we have entire wholehearted consecration to the service of Christ, God will recognize the fact by an outpouring of his spirit without measure. But this will not happen. This will not be. While the largest portion of the church are not laborers together with God. Getting the church active. Wow. As a young person, you can have an effect, not just on your peers, but on people who are older. You know that, don't you? Because youth is worshipped in today's culture, you have a lot of influence. You go back to your church, the things that you say, things that you do. Don't forget that. I was speaking at a church uh, some time ago, and I remember before I got up to speak, the local Bible worker who had graduated from Souls West she dragged up these church members to the microphone and, <clears throat> and said, these two church members are going to give testimonies about what they've been doing this week. And the one lady was kind of uh, just scared to speak or whatever, but she said, you know, this Bible worker took me out on this Bible study and with this lady who wants to know more about the Bible, and she says, it was amazing. And I went out and, 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 and I, 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 this lady really wants to know about the Bible, and I'm studying my Bible now, and Everything in the second church members like, oh, yeah, I, I think everybody in the church should get one of these Bible studies because it really makes you think about what you believe and it makes you want to study and everything. And I was just wanted to scream amen. You, you see what I'm saying to you? So when, when I got up to speak just right after that, I got up to speak and I said, ladies and gentlemen, did you hear what these two ladies said? I said, what I'm about to say to you is less important than what they just said. That's life-changing. That's life-changing. When you, Anybody can sit and listen to a sermon. That takes no, not even any brains. I mean, you just have to come and sit down. But when you actually go out and do active outreach, wow, what a powerful effect that has. Not just on them, but also on their peers. <clears throat> it's just what we need. You all familiar with the Great Controversy Project around the world? 142 million copies of the Great Controversy were, were distributed in the two-year period. Praise God. That's an initiative from our General Conference headquarters. Praise his name. 20 million of those were, were electronic downloads, by the way. Awesome. 20 million downloads of the GC. 142 million copies. Wow. So, okay. Back to where we were, okay. Why literature in the last days? Number one, it's prophetic. Number two, simple outreach makes God's people spiritually alive. And number three, it works. It works. Indeed, it works. Why does it work? It works because people still read. I'm going to go over some stats that we did last period. If you were here last period, this is a review. There's an 8% increase in books purchased in the last two years. Um, uh, religious book sales increased 31% over the last three years. This is from the industry-leading People, industry-leading stats, people still read. In fact, I have here an article. It's very interesting. Uh, I won't take a long time on this, but this is in the, book, uh, the magazine Scientific American. And a friend of mine sent this to me, Scientific American, and it's research. It says why the brain prefers paper. Um, I have two tablets in my house. I just downloaded a bunch of books. 
I read ebooks. I'm not against ebooks. I'm in favor of ebooks. But there's a case against ebooks. Did you know that? 19% of all books purchased are ebooks. But it says, this is in, in summary, studies in the past two decades indicate that people often understand and remember text on paper better than on a screen. Screens may inhibit comprehension by preventing people from intuitively navigating and mentally mapping long texts. In general, screens are also more cognitively and physically taxing than paper. Scrolling demands constant conscious effort, and LCD screens on tablets and laptops can strain the eyes, although that's going away now. Uh, preliminary research suggests that even so-called digital natives, like people who are under 20 in this room, so-called digital natives are more likely to recall the gist of a story when they read it on paper because enhanced e-books and e-readers themselves are too distracting. Isn't that interesting? Too, too many distractions on your e-device. Paper's greatest strength may be its simplicity. It's a fascinating article. But people still read books. They read all kinds of stuff. Okay? And the Pew study, if you were here yesterday, talking about an upbeat picture of reading published in the New York Times. Now I'm going to read this to you. This is a testimony that came to us from uh, a state that is north of here. I was introduced to Glow Tracks, and they literally led me to the truth. Every question I had, they answered and led me straight to God's word. For that, I would like to say thank you. I was baptized in June of this year, and a huge part of that was the way Glow Tracks witnessed to me in my life. I also started to glow everywhere I went. I love Glow Tracks. They have changed my life, and I feel like they're, they're so important, important to have in our churches. This is an unsolicited email just came to us. Praise God. It works. You must come close to those for whom you labor, that they may not only hear your voice, shake your hand, learn your principles, and feel your sympathy. It works because people are reading. It works also because people respond to personal contact. We talked about this earlier. People respond to personal contact. This is right here is where personal contact and literature distribution connect. They collide. There's a synergy there. When people read the book, they remember the smiling face. They remember the honesty on your face. When they read the tract, they remember that you were not trying to swindle them uh, financially for something. They could see the honesty in your face, and they remember that when they read the piece of literature. This is where personal contact and literature distribution converge in a, in a power. Remember, I was going door-to-door -door, uh, some time ago, and I was by myself. This is when I was a door-to-door -door guy myself, all by myself. I'm knocking, and I ran into a Spanish-speaking family, and I thought, oh, boy, I don't speak Spanish. What am I going to do? So for the next hour, with my broken Spanish and his broken English, they had a wife and a couple kids, we went back and forth. We talked, and at the end of the day, there was such a spiritual interest in this family. I remember clearly my heart being touched by their interest. And I referred it to somebody else who spoke Spanish, and I heard a couple months later that the whole family was baptized because I was willing to make that personal contact. Personal contact makes a huge difference. It works. It works because people still read. It works because of personal contact. It works because of genuineness. People respond to genuineness. <clears throat> I'm going to read you this. Look at this. Okay, this is an email, unsolicited email from out in the, in the community. So-and-so and a female companion visited me today. Many people knock on my door attempting many things. Bad Girl Scouts who convinced me to buy cookies. They don't do that anymore. Mormons and the like remind me that they are the true way, or bad guys looking for handouts or to steal my simple possessions. But this man was an inspiration. I enjoyed his honesty. See that? People respond to genuineness. 
I'm out of time. I was going to show you a video by the famous atheist Penn Jillette when he received a Bible from someone and how he responded to that. You know, he doesn't believe any of it, he said, but he could tell the guy was not a shyster. He was, he was legit. Even, the, even hardened people respond to, to genuineness. Christ's Object Lessons 232, the most intellectual, those who are looked upon as the world's great gifted men and men, women are often refreshed by the simple words of one who loves God and who can speak of that love as naturally as the worldling speaks of the things that interest him deeply. What interests you most deeply? Was it the World Cup? What interests you the most deeply? Can you speak of it naturally? I love this quote. This is another email from a contact. Thank you for sending some of your student workers my way. I bought a book entitled Peace Above the Storm, which brings some encouraging words of grace into my humble home. The young man that came to my door was full of hope, love, and life, and it was a joy to pray with him and to, to listen to him. I paid $25 for both books, a great deal if you ask me. Emails, these are emails and voicemails from people that are unsolicited. This is a voicemail. So-and-so came by, and I must say he is one of the finest individuals I've ever met. I really admire him and his character and his message and his fantastic example. I just want to thank, you, thank him for coming by. Here's another voicemail from a contact. My name is Rod. I'm just so impressed with this young man that came over here, Jonathan. I think he's going to get me some Bible studies. You do have a book that I want to get my hands on, The Great Controversy. I just wanted to say how impressed I am with that Jonathan. Here's another email. A young lady named Sarah stopped by our home this afternoon. She was extremely polite, well-spoken, and a joy to visit with. I'm a Bible teacher at a local evangelical church, and I'm unfortunately wary of anyone coming door-to-door -door offering Bible studies. It is nice to see polite, nicely-dressed people come to the door. Some we have stopped by cause me to wonder. Notice the nicely-dressed. Make sure that you look nice tomorrow for outreach. You don't need a suit and a tie. That's not necessary. Although I will tell you a story that just happened. Nelson Ernst, my young man who's over doing another seminar about GLOW, he dressed in a full suit and tie for Sabbath, and then he had to go out on outreach, and he didn't have a change of clothes. So he went out in a white shirt, tie, dark suit. He looked like a Mormon. I mean, he really did. <laughs> and it's not advisable that you go door to door in a full suit, but he, that's what he did. <clears throat> and he went door to door. He's passing out great controversies. He met this guy, uh, and the guy's like, oh, yeah, they connected hooked up for Bible studies, he came out, hung out with us a little bit, went to an evangelistic series, was baptized, and he just arrived at GYC and is helping us with the booth. Amen. Even in a suit and a tie, it works. <laughs> people respond to genuineness. It works because people respond to genuineness. We are out of time. Amazing testimonies from some of these young people. Powerful testimonies. Here's a girl was just baptized a few weeks ago. Uh, some of you in the audience recognize her. She, uh, amazing story, how she came to church, contacted by one of our Bible workers, studied the Bible with her, came to Youth Rush, did Teen Bible Academy. She was just baptized. Really neat. That's Pastor Bohr baptizing her. He's the main speaker tonight. She's here. She's awesome. Her name is Jasmine. Neat stories. This is Dan Jackson, Elder Dan Jackson, president of the North American Division. I think what's happening is very inspiring. I have a strong belief. He's talking about the uh, literature evangelism work. I have a strong belief, a, st a strong belief that the ministry of the Holy Spirit and what you're doing is foreshadowing what is going to happen before Jesus returns. And those winds that are blowing need to turn into a hurricane. In closing, John 20, verse 30. 
John 20, verse 30 and 31. Truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. Now follow verse 31. I want you to think about this, okay? Look at verse 31. These are what? Written. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Okay, so they're written so that you may believe. And in believing, you may have life. You see the progression there? Read, believe, have life. That's the way God set it up. Why literature in the last days? Read, believe, have life. It's right there in the scripture, that progression. God has chosen his primary, his primary communication with humanity. He chose to be in the form of a piece of literature, didn't he? I challenge you to do the same. I challenge you to do wherever you go, back to, your, back to your church, back to your schools, your colleges, your universities, your high schools. I challenge you to do the same. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this group. Thank you for their desire for more. That's why they're here at GYC. And I pray that you'll give them much more. Give them a deep experience. Bless them as they do outreach. Bless them as they hand out literature. Help them to reach all kinds of people. And I pray, Lord, that you will lead us to the closing scenes of Earth's history so that in the last days, when the Earth winds down and is eventually destroyed, that we can all be a part of those last movements. That is what we want. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC 2014 conference at the cross in phoenix arizona gyc a supporting ministry of the seventh day adventist church seeks to inspire young people to be bible-based christ-centered and soul-winning christians to download or purchase other resources like this visit us online at www.gycweb.org